held that one really close to the mic, so that was. It sounded loud. good. It came across well, you know. <laughs> Let me get a give me a first sip here. What is uh What's on the menu right now? This is a Terrapin Cryosphere. I don't know um, what that means. I don't know. They had like an IPA um, variety pack, mm-hmm. so I went with that because I like IPAs. So especially there during the go. summer. There you go. Can't beat it. Yeah, man. But we're back, uh, back in the saddle. Another episode coming at you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, had a couple new things that we're working on just to toss out there uh, for everybody who probably listens on iTunes or Spotify. We do have the YouTube channel, and we're trying to create some more content for that. Uh, so Mike came up with the idea of, first of all, just kind of reclipping some of our old episodes for some some parts and segments that we really enjoy just to throw back out there five minutes seven minutes real quick real easy to digest and then also we came up with the idea to start doing some reaction videos we have a lot of guests on that have marched a lot of really awesome and successful groups so it's kind of fun to relive some of those lot videos or performance videos if everyone hasn't seen we just did the one with daniel recorder uh recorder Yep. Sorry, I almost butchered that. I almost said the, recorder, <laughs> which is funny because you uh, said people called him that. The pilot it, episode. Yeah. You know, we did the pilot Where we one just first went through, and, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, we just went through uh, an old 2012 Blue, Co- Blue Coats. Blue Coats. I'm having <laughs> a, a ball right now. Uh, Blue Coats video from rehearsal, and just he was able to give us some backstory and tell us some really funny like things that happened uh, throughout the course of that that video and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, just kind of figured it'd be a good idea to take these people we already talked to and maybe gain some more insight pretty much into the groups that they marched and like it might trigger funny stories from their past and maybe if a part's really weird, we can pause and just kind of talk about like what the heck did you guys just play and just kind of riff off of each other. And so we think it was pretty cool. We've gotten some positive feedback so far, so... Hopefully we fine-tuned some of the audio stuff this time around and we'll be recording one of those with a couple of those actually with today's guest after we're finished recording this podcast. So let's just uh, go ahead and get into this. So welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me as always is Evan Worrell. And make sure to hit subscribe on that YouTube channel, like the video if you like the content we put out, Uh, leave a comment with any questions or thoughts based on what we what we do here and what that episode's about and uh, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you're a, an audio listener and hit us up on patreon.com slash aged out podcast if you want to give us any kind of financial support. So now that we got all that out of the way, Evan, do you want to take it and we'll get into introducing our guest and see where it takes yeah, us? Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Um, today's guest is one that uh, Mike and I have communicated with through just like Facebook Messenger. We've watched this dude in several lots, yelled in a lot of those lots. Um, a guy that we've been fortunate enough to meet just through the uh, the network of band, the the two degrees of separation that we've talked about on here several times. And he has a lot of experience and was probably exposed to the marching arts at a much earlier age than most of us, definitely way earlier than me, which we'll get into uh, how that happened. But to, for today's guest, we have Cameron Halls joining us. Welcome, man. How's it going? Good to it's be here. Well. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. How's the uh, how's the weather up in Michigan? Honestly, the weather's great in Michigan. Um, a lot of people are, you know, are always afraid of the snow and tell me how much they hate the snow. And But honestly, the, the summer in Michigan is great. Um, we have a lot of lakes, at least from where I'm from. 
Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to still go to the beach and go swimming and, and do some fun stuff over the summer, even though we're, you know, up north, technically. Heck yeah. The summer's been really hot here, so hopefully that means it's been nice and warm for you guys. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Not too bad. Kentucky's been real bad. Yeah, it's been toasty, man. It's still getting up in the 90s in September, which isn't super uncommon, but with Kentucky weather, it could be like 90 today, 60 tomorrow, so who knows? Yeah, Yeah. it's bipolar weather for sure. I'm sure we'll get into some more of the weather talk, talking about some of your college stuff later, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure some of those were brutal, quite frosty. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, but I kind of alluded to it already um, that you were exposed to band um, and, well, more specifically, marching arts probably a little bit earlier than most people. So why don't you kind of walk us through your journey, how you got into music, how you got into band and all that? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, I come from a, a musical family. Um, little voice crack there. Um, <laughs> So actually, my both of my parents met in the marching band at Michigan State. That's how they met. Um, so Spartian. I, Spartian. Um, so I almost, you know, owed it to myself to end up going down that pathway and doing the band there. Um, but even my all four of my grandparents and my sister went to Michigan State, and two of my grandparents on my mom's side were both music majors. So I was going to uh, say grandparents in the band too. It's in yeah, your yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, my grandpa was really the first one to really get me starting on an instrument. And that was actually saxophone in the fourth grade. I was, my mom played saxophone and I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Um, so I started playing saxophone, doing all that. And then it came to fifth grade band. Um, and a lot of, uh, elementary schools don't, don't even do fifth grade band anymore, actually, which is kind of disappointing. Um, it's happening for a number of reasons, but they told me that I had to decide, um, out of four instruments, I could play one of them. And it was either flute, clarinet, trumpet, or trombone. Um, and they said, well, honestly, the closest instrument with like the fingerings or whatever is flute. And I said, okay, whatever, I'll suck it up and play flute for a year. And so I switched from saxophone to flute and then ended up actually sticking with that throughout middle school and a little bit of high school. And I didn't actually really start playing percussion until eighth grade. I was playing flute in the concert band um, and I was doing that. And then I actually went to my first drum corps show in 2010. I believe that was like the Western Michigan Kalamazoo show. Um, I don't know where, where did you guys start? I was there. I, I was, was performing. Yeah. <laughs> I was there with crown. Yeah. I yep. was there with the blue stars. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You guys were both there. So you guys were both performing at my very first drum corps show. There you oh, go. Wow, that's funny. Pretty cool. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers to uh, that. It just means so we're old, Evan. Yeah. That was 2010, and that's where I kind of I got the bug. You know, I was like, man, I really, really want to do this. And I kind of already knew my dad had done some of it, and he had kind of told me about it. But really, being there in person um, at that show, I was it hits different away. when you're there in person, man. The horn lines just the one that beautiful. really did it for me was Cavaliers. I was a huge Cavaliers fan for a long time. Nice. Uh, that was the year they did like the Mad World. They all did yeah, like the, yeah. the, the this is my rifle thing. I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, so then in eighth grade, that would have been when I was in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, my, um, I was still playing flute and band, but my high school did like a combined indoor drumline thing, you know, like, uh, it was called Waterford United percussion. And I ended up joining that and I played xylophone in that cause I was in eighth grade, so I couldn't be in the drumline. Um, and then in high school was when I actually joined the drumline. I played bass drum for my first year. 
Um, so that was really when I actually started drumming was my freshman year of high school. So it actually, I, I didn't start drumming as early as you guys might have thought. Um, my yeah, dad was not. always like, not, he was not going to force, you know, drumming upon me. He wasn't going to make me do it, but it just kind of ended up that way. So I started doing that. I was playing bass drum my first year. And then I ended up switching to snare drum my second year. And throughout this time, I was, you know, going to WGI shows and going to drum corps shows and continuing to learn more about the activity. Um, and then my the first group that I actually marched um, in terms of playing on a drum in a group was uh, Motor City Percussion. That's a group out of, it was out of Livonia when I was in it. I'm not sure where they're out of now, but I, it's a I remember that group. open class. Were they, yeah, they were open class. What year yep. did you do it again? I did it in 2014. Okay. Yeah. So in between, like, I guess that and your late start mm-hmm. to percussion, was your dad like, all right, if we're going to do this, like, I'm going to show you how to do it? <laughs> Honestly, like he was, he was again, like he didn't, he didn't force it upon me at all. You know, he would help me if I, if he wanted, if I wanted a lesson, he would give me a lesson. He would help me out, but he wasn't not in any way, you know, forcing me to practice or, you know, saying, I was wondering about that. Aaron, chop Cameron, out. You didn't, you know? didn't practice your hour today. Like, no, get back no, in the room. It was <laughs> not like that at all. Um, and really, you know, my dad taught me for a while, but my biggest instructor in high school was actually my uh, current professor at Michigan State University, John Weber. Um, I'm, you guys have, might, might have heard that name. Um, we'll probably oh, yeah, talk about sure. a little bit later. But um, I started taking lessons with him probably my sophomore year of high school because I pretty much knew I was going to go to Michigan State, and he was the guy there. Um, funny enough, this guy, John Weber, his instructor in college at Oklahoma State was is one of my dad's best friends. His name's Wayne Bovenshin. He's the director of the drumline, one of the band directors at Oklahoma State. Um, so another kind of small world thing. And so I, I, I had known John Weber for a while. Um, and I started taking lessons with him probably like my sophomore year, high school. And then I started doing Motor City Percussion, where my snare tech was. The RL Chieftain, the one, Brad Perry. Uh, <laughs> one of my absolute favorite people on this entire planet he's I still i love brad and i still can't like he's obviously super smart but yeah i feel like if i met him at a bar and he like was like yeah i'm a surgeon i'd Mm -hmm. probably look at him and go what no you're not yeah that's just a pickup (laughs) yeah man for chicks uh and and brad was great he also was an uh, msu rhythm x guy so i had some connections with him um and it was great learning from him so that was my junior year of high school that was like my first time marching, um, being on the floor, you know, being in a real competitive drum line. Something outside of like your yeah, something out of, outside of my well, high not running the bell, but regular high school. Yeah, because yeah. after that eighth grade year, the high school didn't continue to do the indoor thing, so I kind of had to find another outlet to to do that. Which um, those uniforms, by the way, with that like the cape, green yeah, it was a, chevron and that superhero cape. It's a superhero show. Where yes. it made me think of something out of like the movie Incredibles, like I'm Syndrome or whatever that guy's yeah. name was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, superhero. I'm trying to remember the show. The name of the show changed quite a few times, um, but it was basically about superheroes. That was the the gist of the show. Um, and then in 2015, that, that next winner uh, was that was the first year that I auditioned for. Um, Oh, that wasn't the first year I auditioned for a world-class group, actually. But that was the first time I made a world-class group, and that was North Coast Academy, which is unfortunately not around anymore. Rip. Um, rip. 
rip North Coast. <laughs> the first group that I auditioned for actually was Eastside Fury. Ooh, I remember Eastside Fury. I, I, auditioned, too. I auditioned for Eastside Fury. Um, they needed a snare drummer uh, in 2013. They needed a snare drummer for whatever reason, and I sent in a video, which was atrocious. <laughs> I, I it, That one actually might that be on been my... That sophomore year of high school, right? I think it's on my YouTube channel. You guys can watch it sometime if you want, but it's it's pretty bad. And they, should yeah, we do sophomore year of high school. Should we do a reaction video of your audition for Eastside? You know what? I think we should. I'm in. I'm <laughs> all in. Should. Um, and they said, you know what? Come out, like, see what it's about. And you know, them seeing the video, they probably knew I wasn't gonna gonna make it. Um, but it was still a good experience for me. And I I went out there and spent the weekend with them. And I actually ended up learning drill at, to their opener with them. in 2013. I would have been uh, 15. Wow! Wow! And I got cut at the end of the weekend, but they were super nice about it. The instructors were uh, Dan Poulter and oh, Dickie yeah. Thornton. We oh, marched with Dan. Yeah, another two Michigan State guys. Yeah. Um, so those guys were great. They cut me, which was fine. I was not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I auditioned for the I auditioned the next year again, actually, and I was a lot closer, but still didn't make the cut. And that's when I did MCP. Um, and a lot of those guys, when Eastside folded, a lot of them uh, either went to Redline or they went to North Coast. So I had a lot of friends who were kind of picking those two, and I decided to go the, the North Coast route. Um, and I did that for a few years, 15, 16, 17. In between there, I did the 2015 U.S. Army All-American Marching Band, kind of a long name. Basically <laughs> just a all-star high school marching band. What was the, uh, what was the event for the like? What was so, yeah. the performance venue for that? The performance venue was where they – it was at the Alamo Dome. Is that how you say it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it was just for the All-American football game. So it was like Under Armour has all their All-American football players, all the best high school kids or high school seniors, and they had an All-American band. Um, so that's they flew a sweet, out, that's yeah, a sweet stadium. I love that stadium. It was a great um, opportunity to do that too. You know, they the Army flew us out there for free. Everything totally covered. They had like nice. a big assembly at my school for it. Um, that's pretty it, sick. It was awesome. And that's actually where I met. It, I'm sure you guys know Phil Andrews. He's yeah. a yeah. member. Yeah. So I did, it, I did it that year with Phil. And that's how I met Phil was doing this All-American thing. And Phil was the reason I ended up going to Crown in 2017. Phil for the future. Yeah, Phil of the future. <laughs> and so, yep, I did North Coast 15, 16, 17 and did the army band thing for one year kind of in that in that time and then the summer of 16 was when i did my first drum corps i actually marched my first drum corps so i had auditioned for a few groups i auditioned for phantom blue stars um crossmen legends and actually i got cut from quite a few of these groups and i you know 16 was you know i was it was, it was after my i think freshman year of college and i had said you know what i've gotten cut from a few groups and I just kind of got a, I, you know, I, I kind of set my expectations pretty high. You know, I wanted to march Phantom. I wanted to march top 12 group. Um, and I was like, you know what? I got to humble myself a little bit and I'm going to march an open class core and, and get my chops up and play for a summer and see what I can do with that. Heck yeah. And, and a smart way to do it, man. Totally so glad many, I did that. So totally glad people, I did that. Yeah. I think so many people make that mistake of like, I have to march top 12. I have to march mm-hmm. top 12. Like, 
not like very few people can just start in the top 12 and that's not yeah. a knock on them yeah part of it yeah. is like timing it right the right season where there were a lot of age outs the year before which doesn't mm-hmm. always happen at the groups you want to go like yeah. if you audition for a group and you're like okay i cut it's too late there's staffs that will help place you at sure. open class course all these staffs know yeah. each other don't just keep beating your head against a brick wall like if you're not making it in a top 12 group you might need to humble yourself like yeah. you just said you did and say, all right, I'm going to go march this lower lower place in core, get some experience, get the chops, and come back. And most of the time when people do that, they make where they want to make next year because that year mm-hmm. of experience makes yeah. all the difference. And it's – I don't mean to like single out like the drumline world, but it, it often happens so that there's very few spots, especially in mm-hmm. like a drumline position. You know, I was going to say the drumline thing is seems like it's way more competitive yeah. than – than the than like the brass line. I mean, yeah. you're talking. You got nine spots in a snare line. Sometimes eight, and, and there's five if vets. There's any vets, which most groups want, there's like typically three to five. I would say. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at like three spots. Yeah, and there's and like, like two hundred people showing yeah. up. Yeah, it's very very intimidating going to those auditions. Sometimes you know, <clears throat> I remember just being in an auditorium or whatever, and just seeing like fifty snare drummers on pads, and I'm like, oh man, here we go. It's pretty good, <laughs> you know. Hope I hope I'm good. Uh, and doing Music City also was a great networking thing. I met a lot of people, a lot of actually mystique people that I'm still friends with today. Um, the guy I marched next to and my seat partner that year was this guy Elijah Loy, who ended up being the center for mystique for the past three years. Um, marching cadets, another really great snare drummer, really great dude. Um, so that was a great drumming thing, great networking thing, great way for me to get my foot in the door doing drum corps. And then the next summer was when I auditioned for Crown. Um, that would have been the the 17 summer. And that that was probably the most prepared I had been for an audition probably ever was Crown 17. You know, I was, I spent so long learning that music. I had talked to Phil about coming out. I remember seeing them in 2016, the Relentless show. I just was blown away. I thought that was amazing. I thought that drum line was killer, horn line was killer. That I mean, what they they won like three caption awards, I think, in 2016. Isn't that right? Maybe I'm gonna find out right now. But they won, uh, they won guard, they won vis, they won brass. They probably won brass for sure. Yeah, they usually Uh, win brass. (laughs) And they ended up getting third somehow. I don't know how the numbers worked out. GE man won three captions. Well, that was the year Bluecoats won. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, But yeah, I, I saw Crown that year. I was like. I'm going to do that. That's, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. I had heard great things from Phil um, and some other people, another Michigan state guy um, did crown that year. So I had planned on doing that for quite a while. I had remember seeing crown in the lot in 16, you know, obviously music city, we got done pretty early so I could go and check out a lot of groups. Um, And pretty much that entire summer I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do crown and music city ended up being a great place for me because mystique guys, we played loud. We, you know, we chopped out a lot, you know, a lot of run and gun kind of stuff, and that was a great way to set me set me up for success going into crowd auditions. Nice. That was a tight finish that year. Sixteen first, ninety seven six five, third ninety seven oh eight. That was, was pretty close <laughs> between one to three. Yikes! Small yeah. Good year. Good year. Um, very good year. So then I did crown seventeen, and then the next winner was when I auditioned for Rhythm X, um, and I had kind of already planned I was going to do that. Um, but it was just kind of convenient that North Coast ended up not doing a group again. Um, so that kind of made my decision pretty easy. Huh. It makes that decision easy, but like that decision shouldn't be hard. 
Like, no. If, if you want to go do something, you want to go do something. I, I'm never about like the staff that tries to like maybe guilt someone into returning or guilt someone that leaves. Like, man, if a kid doesn't want to be in your organization anymore, like, don't make them. Yeah. It's I mean, either one, I mean, they yeah. value the time that they were there and want to move on to something else and get a new experience, or two, they didn't have a good time there, which is on the staff, and mm-hmm. they want to move on and do something else. Because that's the staff's yeah. job is to make sure that your kids have a good experience and, I don't know, make memories. Obviously, there's a competitive aspect that we want to do well, too, but you just want your kids to have a good experience. Exactly. So, in, yeah. in the way I look at it is that you sign a one-year contract. You know, yeah, basically, if I signed, it'd be different if I signed a multiple year contract. But yeah. It's like I said, I'm going to be a member of this group for a year. And I'm everyone, everyone's not. a free agent. Every yeah. you gave them money. Exactly. <laughs> and you yeah. paid them. So, so, yeah, with North Coast folding, it kind of made the decision easy. But I was I was planning on doing that for a while, especially after doing crown for a year. It's kind of like the unwritten rule for X. It's like you got to march a top 12 group if you want to if you want to be in rhythm X. Um, just because the talent, the talent level is so high, and the the mental stamina that you need to be successful in that group is well, off the charts, and that the, the, rate, only, the rate at which changes are made just demand yeah. that of you. Yeah. So that was that was great to do Crown. That that set me up perfectly for success at X auditions. And we were just talking about, funny enough, you know, there being a ton of competition at auditions. I remember walking in the room, the snare room for Rhythm X 2018. This would have been in you know. September or October of 2017. And I drove down with Max Neves and some other Michigan guys. And I was obviously pretty nervous. That's like a, I hear so many things about, oh, Rhythm X auditions. There's like 60 snare drummers there, you know? And I showed up and there were nine snare drummers at the audition and we took eight. I remember, you know, setting a drum up and and just kind of talking to some of the guys. And Josh Bricky walked in and I think Derek Thomas walked in. Josh is like, okay, this is what we got. Let's drum. Let's see what we got. And lucky enough, we took eight guys that showed up. Those were kind of the eight that I think people had planned on showing up. And um, one guy was, I I don't remember his name. Um, He was was a good kid. But um, the eight guys that we had were solid, and we obviously ended up doing pretty well. But that was very funny. You know, eight out of nine people ended up making the snare line, and that was one of the best (laughs) snare lines I've ever been on my entire life. A lot of that goes to Rhythm X does a lot of off-season recruiting yeah. over the DCI summer, and now I feel I like so you're talking mu- about the networking thing with Music City Drum Corps, but like the networking thing at Rhythm X is like a real thing because a lot of those dudes that teach at Rhythm X were also teaching in the summer, so they'd be like chit-chatting people up. I remember at Dublin, Ohio show in 2009 at Crown my dad was sitting in the stands and somehow just ended up talking to Josh Bricky. It's like, Oh, my son's in the snare line at crown, blah, blah, blah. I think he maybe wants to come try out at X. And so Josh was like, yeah, tell him to do that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, that's just kind of the way. And when Josh was on tour or something, they, they talked to people. I mean, not like in a manipulative or malicious way, but they're like, Hey man, you should come audition. Yeah. yeah if they, if they and, want you, they're going to tell you like, try to push. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing I can say about that is even if, I mean, it's not like someone has to literally reach out and send you an invitation to audition. You know what I mean? No, the biggest thing I can say is that go to an audition. You know, a lot of the way people get found are you. I mean, there's plenty of people in Rhythm X who have auditioned for the group and didn't make it their first year and come back. Oh, yeah. It's fine. You know what I mean? But the biggest thing I hear from a lot of people who say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm audition for X. I'm going to audition for Blue Devils or, or some very top tier group like that. 
they never actually show up at auditions, which is like, yeah, that's the worst thing you can do. That's the easiest way to get cut from an audition is to, to not yourself. even show up, you know? Um, so the, the 2010 and 2011 X auditions were similar to that experience that you just described. Like there wasn't a ton of people there, uh-huh. but the people that were there were a high quality. The 2012 yeah. audition was completely different. We cut like seven dudes that marched top 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that um, was a little wild, but that was an and, interesting. And yeah, sometimes that's tough, man. There was, you know, it was an interesting audition. That twelve twelve audi- X audition was because wasn't there a dude? Wasn't there a North Texas kid that Josh liked a lot? Yeah, he went to North Texas and had just marched like Boston for a couple summers. Yeah, <laughs> ended up and, not making it. And it was like, yeah. all right, well, I mean, we have seven vets from last year, and then we have like two other center snares that showed up, like a three year blue coats vet, Andy and Alfred. Frankie Dick. and Dick showed up. Yeah. On top like, of the seven vets. And that was the 10. Some pretty good choices. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, this kid's good, but we have, again, these 10 already. It's like, who do we cut? And like, yeah. X doesn't really cut vets. I think it's only happened like. That's false. Well, it doesn't really cut vets. Let me finish. <laughs> it's only happened. You can count on one hand the number of times from the snare line they've cut a vet. I don't know the statistic yeah. on that. I don't. I don't know of a single person. I'm not, I'm I know not of get one. Into it. I don't and know it was anybody. Before <laughs> even mine and Evan's time, I know of one. Oh, okay. And I know of one. So a while ago. It's, Evan, you're probably thinking of the same one that I am, but Maybe. I think that he might be cut, the only he got time cut it's my happened. First year. Huh? He got cut my first year in ten. He, yeah, uh, he showed up. Right. Auditions got cut. Yikes. Yeah. But there's usually anyway. more going on behind the scenes when that happens. Like oh, they're beyond for sure. anyway, ability. We're, we're well, sidebarring like right. crazy. Well, right now, moving on. on. Honestly, well, that that brings another point up, which is like a lot of I know a lot of people that kind of complain about like the politics and drum corps and politics and WGI, um, but I think a lot of that stuff is a l- way more important than people take for granted. Um, like you know, the social aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, you got to enjoy the time that you're having when you're there. You know, yeah. and if there's one guy that you don't really like, I mean that can kind of make or break a season. Oh, um, for sure. And I think, you know, and I, I've even been to the point where I was cut at certain times and I was like, oh, this is BS, you know, like, oh, they're just taking all their boys. And it's like, that's not necessarily a problem that they're taking their boys. They're all good friends and they play well together. And you don't necessarily need the nine best people or eight best people. You need the eight people that are going to play the best together, which is mm-hmm. not always reflective of the skill level. Yeah, very um, true. Very, so very it's, it's not a bad thing to get lessons from whoever you're trying to get a spot from, you know, say I want to audition for the blue stars drumline, you know, get it, get in contact with the snare tech or whoever's teaching that drumline and meet them and introduce yourself. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's definitely not a problem to go into an audition and have the people know who you are. Oh, definitely not. It definitely helped me my second year when I actually made crown because the first mm-hmm. year when I got cut, I had gone and like met everybody. I met Zach. I met those vets like Lino and some of the other people that were in the drum line. So when I went back in 09, it was way more familiar. First of all, it made me more comfortable because there were mm-hmm. familiar faces. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not just a statistic or another pad in the room. Like they know who I am. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So obviously talked about the the x audition x experience going there let's kind of back up a little bit just to catch our catch ourselves up we've been going like winter summer winter summer winter mm-hmm. summer but there's the there's the fall in there too which is mm-hmm. pretty cool um you you spoke earlier how you were kind of just destined to be 
in the Sparty band and go to yeah. MSU. So you end up going in 2015, I believe it was, yep. to uh, Michigan State University, which is another MSU, not to be confused with Mike and I, Mike and mine, MSU, uh, much more well-known one in Michigan <laughs> State. But uh, for good and takes, bad reasons. <laughs> what was that? I said for good and bad reasons. Uh, well, I would say definitely for a lot more good than bad. Yeah. Uh, but so Michigan State is obviously a program that has been very, very well known for its excellence and mm-hmm. history. Um, so you had mentioned earlier, your both your mom and your dad, your grandparents went there. Mm-hmm. What was that like as far as like auditioning for that and then making that and kind of like maybe continuing the family tradition, I, I, would, mm-hmm. I guess you would say? Yeah, so I guess a little history, family history. So my dad was a snare drummer at Michigan State in the 80s, um, as my mom was a saxophone player in the 80s. Um, my grandfather was a bass drummer. He was, the, I think, the last single bass drummer that they had in the band. This is my, <laughs> my mom's dad, not my dad's dad, but my mom's dad was a bass drummer in the band um, in the 60s. So I really am like a third generation band member, you could say. And my sister was in the band too. Um, so I pretty much had no choice. You're like a legacy on, on I where I would say in that fraternity yeah, world. Yeah, on where I was going to go to college. Um, I had pretty much always decided I was going to go to Michigan State. And I had pretty much had this plan in my mind. It, you know, obviously a couple things change here and there. But I, I applied for a couple different schools. But I pretty much had decided I was going to go to Michigan State right around as I was getting into high school, I was like, I'm going to do that. And so in terms of like the legacy aspect, like, yeah, it's kind of cool when there's alumni around, but I was, it's not that I don't like that people talk about my relationship with my dad. Sometimes Um, I obviously love my dad. He's great, but sometimes I definitely wanted to just kind of do my own thing, you know, and not necessarily be compared to what my dad was doing all the time, um, which Honestly, that was exactly what I got at Michigan State. I was a little bit worried going in. I was going to constantly be like harassed about it, um, but it ended up being fine. Um, everybody at Michigan State is great, and I think it's it's great being on the Michigan State drumline because it's a ton of fun and it's a way to like keep your hands up and have a great time in the fall and not have to have like this weird transition period where it's like, okay, I've been drumming all summer, and then I have to stop for like two months and not really touch a drum unless you're unless you have access to it, you know. Um, but I, I mean, Michigan State band rehearses a lot, as does every Big Ten or big university band. They practice all the time. So I was drumming every day, at least a couple hours um, with a drum on, you know, Monday through Friday and then every game day, pretty much every fall. So I was going summer, fall, winter, summer, fall, winter, summer, fall, winter for like five years, six years straight. Man, so you um, really didn't stop. I real this this summer was really the first time that I that I stopped. Was and it weird? It was weird, but I I was honestly I was okay taking a break from it. Refreshing. For a bit. Yeah, we we can get into that a little bit more of that later. But I bet some of those rehearsals up there were cold. Yeah, man. And it's like we were talking about the weather earlier. It can especially in the October kind of time period, you can go from having a 80 degree day, you know, sunny, you're taking your shirt off at rehearsal. Next week it could be thirty and snowing, and then and then back to eighty. It can change on a dime, and let me tell you, man, it get it can get cold. It Dude, can get really really cold. Thirty degree rim shots suck. Yeah, Michigan State canceled school. I think two years ago, three years ago, for the first time, I think in 
50 years or something because the the wind chill was i think negative 40 oh my god <laughs> so no, they, thank you I'll so they pass. canceled class for a couple of days um that obviously wasn't during marching band season but I, i'd say the, the coldest it probably got you know on a game day on a saturday when it's pouring snow it can probably get down to you know 10 15 degrees um and we obviously do our best to try and combat that, but you know, hand warmers. No, I was going to say no um, amount of hand warmers is good. <laughs> yeah, we all kind of have our own way. We have these rain jackets that we wear that kind of help us keep warm. And everybody in the line has like six hand warmers in each pocket, so that when you put your hands in, it's you know kind of like an oven, yeah. keeping <laughs> your hands warm. But I'm telling you, the, the worst is when it's uh, it's cold and it's raining. I almost hated the rain more than I hated the cold. Yeah, man. When you get because like. At least, I guess, to some degree, the, the snow will kind of, like, fall yeah. off or brush yeah, off. Yeah. You can get wet and, like, soggy. Yeah. And it a game sucks. day can be long. I mean, Oh, yeah, bet. On a, yeah. On a, I don't know if you guys did college band at all, but at least with, with Michigan State stuff, you oftentimes, our call time would be 6 a.m. You know, this is for a, a noon game, you know, on, you know, it, it's all it's all by TV times, right? So noon, oh, yeah. 3 o'clock, um, 7.30 um, so we'd be, you know, waking up at 5:30 AM, walking to rehearsal and we have rehearsal at 6 AM and you're probably for a noon game. You're not getting home until seven or eight o'clock at night. And if it just happens that it's raining that day, I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, it's raining. Band's not going to go. Obviously that's not the case. You know, so there's times when you step outside of, of our, you know, it's called demonstration hall where we start every game day and you could just be getting rained on for 12 hours straight. And it Jeez. sometimes, yeah. Thankfully, like we did college band, but the seriousness of it was sure in the marching band. I would say is probably matches what you guys did, but uh-huh. as far as like the athletic part of it, I mean, Morehead State's yeah. like non scholarship program. Yeah. It is Div One, but it's non scholarship. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had six a.m. call times, but for a new game, I'm like, all right, I'm back in my dorm by four, and I probably mm-hmm. yeah. went back before that after our morning mm-hmm. rehearsal to change before I went for the call time to like march down the stadium. So it's a lot different, yep. yeah. but on the flip side of that, like you're getting like a front row ticket to these just like epic big 10 battles, which I'm sure. Yeah. Some of those I mean, I, I'm sure everyone's seen the Michigan, Michigan state play with the fumble. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I was at that game. I got to see that live. Uh, that entire 2015 year was amazing. Aside yeah. from the, the last game where we got blown out by Alabama. Um, well, but that entire season was that. was great, and like you said, the prime time big games was amazing. You know, that's that's obviously a big plus. But for me, it was a great way to drum every day, and it honestly is a amazing social thing too. That's a lot of, I get or I guess something that people don't talk about all the time with college band. It's like a lot of people in there are not music majors. Um, most of the people in the band at Michigan State, I mean, it's 300 people. I'd say maybe 30 of them are music majors, 40 of them are music majors. And everyone oh, else wow. is engineer, engineering, computer science, you know, various majors. So really a lot of those people are doing it because they love music, but it's a great way to start college and to start off with a ton of friends. I'm sure going to a big university like Michigan State, I mean, I think population is 50,000 or something. Jeez. Everything is obviously kind of weird. About. Yeah, it's definitely kind of weird now because everything's online. But, I mean, you're a really, really small fish in a big pond. And it was great being able to come in my freshman year and, you know, boom, you got like 20 friends you can hang out with. And it's, sure. and it's a great way to start school and, and have a lot of 
um, support systems. And that was, that was a great part of, of doing the drum line. And Some of my best friends are from college. Like, yeah, me too. Not, not to knock any of the people that I had in high school, but the people that I did like college drumline with are probably the ones that I'm the closest to, I would yeah. say. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Mike, who does this with me. Uh, my friend Brent Hume, who coincidentally went to high school with me. But and then my good friend Dean Hickman, like a lot of yep. those dudes. Casey, I could go down the line. And just yeah, there's a lot yeah. of them. Yeah, and going back to the drumming aspect, you know, there's the best part about the drumline at Michigan State is that Everyone good. is good. Everyone is good. I mean, I don't mean to like rank different college drum lines, but there's college drum lines that you can think of that are good. I mean, Michigan State is up there. UNT is up there. Um, UMass is up there. Western uh, Carolina. Comes Western up. Carolina RCC. is great. There's a, a ton of great HBCU bands. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really great to – I know a lot of people like kind of like to BS the college drum line thing and – Everyone kind of jokes with me about, oh, you do college band, blah, blah, blah. You got your game yesterday or whatever. But, hey, you know, I, I, I really do think that we play pretty good. Um, yeah. MSU is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Racer X. I that's, like that one. The stuff that I love to pride ourselves in is that we're able to flip the switch and have a really good time. Um, occasionally, too good of a time. But, you know, most of the time we're able to, to flip the switch and, and be able to play pretty good. And it's, there's a ton of people in the Michigan State line that also march drum corps and do WGI. And obviously, there's a lot of really notable Rhythm X people that we both know that did Michigan State and Rhythm X. Um, and it was just a great way for me to, to keep drumming during the school year. For sure. Nice. Well, let's keep this moving and let's get into where you went. So you did X for three seasons, right? Yep. All right. So your last season of X was what year? The, the uh, kind of. this, this, this past year 20 was my la- last in quotation year right. well technically like, you have I'm another like, season I'm like, don't you yeah technically half of an age out right now i don't i don't really know what's going on yet <laughs> everything's um, in limbo yeah everything's in limbo everything's um, in so I'm, purgatory yeah possibly aged out i guess i'm not really sure yet um but yeah so i marched rhythm x 18 19 and 20 or half a 20 yeah. or whatever you want. i mean honestly most of the season asterisk. was done. I mean, we really did like ninety percent of the season. We just yeah, didn't the performance the stuff three or four weeks or something. Small. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I started and ended up doing three years at at Rhythm X, and then backing up, I did Crown seventeen eighteen, and then for my last year, I did BD in twenty nineteen. Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. So you sure. obviously did Crown in seventeen and eighteen. Uh-huh. What what about Blue Devils like attracted you to want to go there? After two sure. successful so, seasons at Crown. Yeah. So one of the big, th- big things, obviously, my dad is also an alumni of the Blue Devils. He was a snare drummer in 1985. Um, before that, he marched Phantom 83, 84. And before that, he marched a group called the Saganaires, which was, I think, back there, Division A. Or, I'm not sure what they called it back then. Whatever open class was. I don't Back know. in the eighties, the I only no thing idea. that I know is that prior to World and Open, it was Div One, Div Two, Div Three, and then was, that, yeah. there was something else before that, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, so he marched this group Saganaires for a couple of years. Saganaires turned into this thing called Northern Aurora, which turned into this thing called North Coast Academy. Really? So I really <laughs> ended up also marching kind of the same group, sort of as my dad. Um, same org- the, the the name of the organization that North Coast was was Saganaires Youth Organization. So. It's kind of ironic that I ended up doing that too. That's funny. But nice. so it was always I, you know, I'm sure everybody has this thought, but it's always kind of in the back of people's mind about do I want to 
do the BD drum line. You know, I'm sure that's not the case for everybody. I'm not speaking for a ton of people or, or everybody rather, but I've talked to many people who have said, you know, oh yeah, I, I would have liked to have done BD at some point. And I, I really wanted to get that experience and, and know what that was like. Obviously, there's a ton of great things that I've heard about the, the organization in terms of how they treat the members. Um, obviously, a lot of free days, a lot of free time, a lot of personal responsibility that they put on the members. So that was all very attractive to me. But also from an education part of it, you know, I'm a music ed major. I want to teach band. I want to teach drumline and percussion when I grow up. I say when I grow up in quotations, I'm already <laughs> grown up. Um, but you know, what's great about BD is the visual aspect of it. I mean, mm -hmm. they've won so many visual awards and it's always very clear that those guys know how to move. I they know how to move say, very, BD's, very well. BD's drumline always, in my mind, most summers is the best moving drumline yeah. of anybody. And it's, I mean, we can obviously get into a little more of this later, but we just spend so much time in, in visual. And obviously I didn't totally know that going into it, but... I had heard from people, you know, again, it's not like I just go in there without knowing a single person. I had talked to a few people and mm -hmm. um, from Rhythm X who had done Blue Devils um, and they had all told me, you know, you're going to do a lot of visual, you're going to do a lot of dance, you're going to do a lot of moving and playing. Um, and that was all very attractive to me because I had gotten a lot of like the music stuff with Crown. Crown is obviously a really, really great organization, um, musically speaking, and they're great visually speaking, but with, with BD, they're just it's almost a different level. level. Completely it's a different, different level. ballpark with, with what they're doing with their with their visual program. Scott Chandler and all those people are just geniuses, and I wanted to do that before I aged out, so that I can, you know, essentially be the best educator that I can be when I get older. I want to be able to spread as much of of the knowledge that I gained while I marched to my students. So that was that was honestly the biggest pulling factor for me was I just wanted to kind of get a different experience and honestly following the footsteps of my dad which is kind of corny but it it, it is kind no, of cool I mean, that we both got I to my right there i get it you know, i get it I, I remember seeing scott you know make a post about it and there was another uh quad drummer in the line jj pipitone mm -hmm. jr um yeah. was a quad drummer so i got to march with him we kind of had two legacy you could say people i remember him making a post about that and thinking that's kind of cool you know yeah no i, I, I totally myself on the back, it. It, it, was, it was a pretty cool thing being able to kind of essentially do exactly what my dad did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get that and understand when people, I, you're not the first person that I've heard say like they've already been at a very successful drum corps that they had great experiences at, but they switched to a different group. And I've heard it time and time again, where they're like, I just want to see what else is out there at this point. Like I did this for a couple of years. I feel like I've grasped what I can from this and I get this approach there's so much. There's more than one way to skin the cat with marching mm -hmm. percussion and drum lines, especially an approach to the drum and uh -huh. theories and philosophies on sound quality and everything. But wanting to get a different perspective is totally understandable. Like I've told yeah. Evan many times that if I could march one more season, I now I only did two cores one year at each. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't do blue coats again. And it's not because I have anything against the blue coats organization. I loved my summer there, but it would just be for the desire, like you said, to get a different perspective. I'd want mm -hmm. to go to maybe a Rennick line or possibly even the blue devils just to experience mm -hmm. what it's like. Yeah. So in that, I vein, mean, Ryan Ellis said the same things. He marched yeah. blue coats for years. And I was like, I just wanted to learn from a different group of people. Yeah. yeah. I did the same thing. I didn't end up marching my age out, but I did two summers at crown and, um, uh, 
I was gonna. I went and actually auditioned for the summer of 2011 Blue Coats and made it, but just I didn't end up doing it because I did some school stuff. But whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally get that, yeah. and I don't think it sounds corny at all. Plus, like now you can kind of like one up your dad be like well you march bd but we won so yeah he, he, he won a drum trophy though he did Ooh. win a drum trophy oh true Oof. yeah he's got you know, that on it, you and another thing is that it's obviously very well known i mean people who go to blue devils have a good time you know it's it's no secret that we get a lot of time off um we get a lot of there's a, like i said there's a lot of personal responsibility in terms of how you i don't want to say how you behave but you know it's very much you have to flip the switch when you're in rehearsal. It's still a drum corps. We still rehearse. We still have, you know, marching and playing, visual rehearsal, um, tons of stuff that's still drum corps, but you just have to be able to flip the switch very quickly because of the amount of time that they give off. Do you, you guys. Do you think they can operate like that simply? Because I would fall into the camp of seeing and hearing – that they treat you like a professional athlete is the analogy. You feel the most like a professional athlete when you're mm-hmm. in BD versus other groups. Would you? Do you think that is a result that they can uh, like allow that to be the way the way it is in the culture because of the talent level they they get at this point and the average age of the core every summer is I think usually 21 point something or like 20 point something close to 21. Or do you think? Because I mean, obviously there's probably 18-year-olds in the core, 19-year-olds, mm-hmm. but do you think that the talent, the average talent level is why and the maturity and experience is why they can do that? Or is it just they just figured out a way to do things and realize that giving members more downtime, giving them a little more freedom, not tre- treating it a little less like a boot camp type experience mm-hmm. – allows people to be more relaxed and more rested. So when they're in rehearsal, they're more efficient. Sure. I mean, yeah, it, basically all, all of those things are true. Um, it, the talent level in the core is obviously very high, but what I think is great is that all the members and all the vets like know what's going on. So they've been doing this thing for a long time, right? They've, they've mm-hmm. created this system and all the vets know what the right thing to do is. Um, so pretty, so for me, my job was that summer to just do what Brandon did, you know, and Brandon was a great section leader and obviously a very good snare drummer. So for me, it was always like, I'm going to do what he does. And I think it's great that the vets always gave off a really good example. Even, I mean, like you said, there's, it's an older group, but there are still some younger guys in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the membership was always great to each other. And the membership was always giving off, you know, positive energy, but, trying to think of the, the right word to say um the, the membership knew how to work smart and when you when you get the perfect combination of working smarter and working harder um is i think where that that kind of magic happens like i said it's not like we don't work hard it's not like we're not trying yeah it's still drum corps at the end of the day yeah but we but we know how to do it in the right ways and the right ratios so that like you said everyone is well rested i mean if we had a long bus ride we wouldn't be waking up before I don't know, 11 o'clock noon, <laughs> That's you know? Awesome. <laughs> and so what that created, at least for me, and I imagine everybody else was that I was never tired during a rehearsal. Not once was I ever like, man, I'm, I'm really beat down. I was never tired, Smart. not a single time. Um, and, and yeah, we might only get, we might get one less block out of the day, but everyone's going to be focused for that block. We're going to be rested for that block. We're going to be ready to go. And we're going to get a lot of stuff done. So that's kind of the working smarter 
aspect of it. But when you're in that rehearsal, I mean, you're sweating, you're working hard, you're drumming, you're doing your best to be successful. But everyone is just in a really good physical and mental mindset. I mean, that makes it just makes total sense from yeah. like a a physiological aspect in any other training yeah. environment that you that you would work in. Yeah. I've always it, wondered that. It's kind of the chicken or the egg question. Like, did BD adopt this style of operation because they had the talent or did they attract the talent because before that they adopted this style of operation? And there's, I think there's many factors that go into that. Obviously they've had a very, very cohesive staff that have been there for a long time mm. in many, in many departments that have learned how to operate together, to work together, to design together, to write together mm-hmm. in, in all facets of the drum corps. And so I think that too many, I mean, at this point, it's definitely a luxury to have a lot of talent, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of drum corps that I think are too afraid to sacrifice rehearsal time because they feel like, oh, we only have so much time. Like the summer goes by so fast. We got to get this in. We got to get this in. So are you sacrificing quality for quantity? Yeah. So and I mean, it's tough. It also, I mean, it also helps that all the people that are on staff there are geniuses. You know, we're talking Scott guys like Scott Chandler, Scott Johnson, um, all the people that are that are teaching and writing there are absolutely geniuses at their craft and that obviously helps um you know it helps create a great show create a great package and then with the instructional staff and how they present it all to us it's just the overall package of just the experience is is like nothing else it's and uh, we're talking about like being rested and 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 being ready to go for the day i mean like i said we, we sleep in obviously but even after that the first thing you do is you go and you stretch for 45 minutes to an hour um so a lot of people, first things first, we're getting up, we're tracking, we're in battery block, we're in sectionals. The first thing that the entire core does, I guess aside from the front ensemble, is we all get together and we stretch for 45 minutes, play some music, go out on the field with a yoga mat or a towel, and we just get our bodies ready for the day. You know, and that another thing that that does is it prevents injuries. I'm trying to think. I yeah. I don't know if we had a single horn line alternate on the field this entire summer. <laughs> I mean, because when you when that you is treat starkly the human- different than your prior two summers, yeah, because yeah. nobody, tre- I mean, nobody's nobody's getting hurt. When you treat um, the human body the way it's evolved to be treated and function properly, it's not like too many times. I mean, look at the example of when the kid had the stress fracture in his leg at Crown, and like mm-hmm. his leg broke in the middle of the finals run through. Like, mm-hmm. I was there. If your body is getting that run down throughout the summer, you're probably like some of it is accidents are going to or injuries are going to happen everyone's body mm-hmm. is going to respond differently to those levels of stress everyone's body going in has experienced different levels of stress to be more adjusted to that level of work but even if you're a rookie and there's never a difference between like court, a freak thing and an aggravated thing though exactly mm-hmm. like if you and take I mean, care of the body it's going to perform for you yeah and i mean another thing to be said is that i mean different groups do different kinds of shows i mean it's obvious yeah. that especially those years of crown. I mean, those were super aggro shows. I mean, just going hundred percent the entire time, crazy drill, super fast. Um, so it's not like, I don't want to say that those things are, are bound to happen, but I mean, when you do kind of shows like that, I mean, it's obvious that sometimes things just, it's tough on the body. And a lot of what happened at least at BD is that, I mean, the way that the drill is written is we don't have a dot book. We don't have, uh, 
dot cards. We don't, you know, it's completely written on the spot, kind of like how Tim Fairbanks does it at X, but they mm-hmm. kind of go around and they say, you know, can you make this dot? Can you try this, try that? And a lot of it just ends up, at least for the drum line this year, I'm, I can't attest to other years, but at least for us this year, a lot of the drill was pretty manageable because it was just kind of like, oh, can you guys make this? No, we can't. All right, let's just make it a little shorter. And when, um, you, when you do that, and I've always thought, you can see it every year with different cores. Drill mm-hmm. writers overestimate what a drumline member can feasibly do at a high level and maintain musical clarity and control mm-hmm. of what they're doing. I mean, I've yeah. seen drill writers ask guys wearing a drum to do things, and I'm like, you know, that's never gonna play. They're never gonna play well doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, we make jokes all the time that the Blue Coats 2012 drill for the battery was a cakewalk, and mm-hmm. compared to the 2010 summer at Blue Stars, it was. But we played really well because of it. Mm-hmm. No judge ever called it out and was ever mm-hmm. like, hey, man, you guys nailed that phrase. But I could really, if that crab, crab step size was a little bigger there or it was yeah. a little more difficult, I'll give you more credit. Never once yeah. did it come up. Like there are restrictions that wearing a drum puts on your ability of what you can do mm-hmm. and maintain musical integrity of what you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I think BD plays really well because they're talented, but also because they stage in an intelligent, smart way that takes into an, to account what you can feasibly do with a drum on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny that we're also talking about this because as I get older, and I guess I'm almost aged out now, but as I get older, I want to have these this like hard drill less and less and less. You know, now when yeah. I'm they're like, oh man, you can uh, hold for 16 this time. I'm like, oh, sweet. That's what I'm talking about. But I remember my first year at Crown, you know, getting the drill for the, I think it was our closer, the no one to no one tune, the one we're going oh, yeah. yeah, to do after this. But I mean, I remember getting that music. It said, you know, 216 or 208 or the tempo was and getting the drill and just thinking, man, this is the coolest thing in the entire world. I mean, <laughs> when you're when you're a young kid looking at these drum corps shows and you just see the drum line hauling in the back playing some hard beats, I'm like, man, that's that's really cool. I really, really want to do that. And I remember my first year just being like, oh, man, this is amazing. This is great. And, you know, I'm sure the people have different have had but different I, experiences. I, I but as I get older, do that. Like, like you have to do that at times. But it's like not all the time battles. Exactly. Yeah. Like do this and be recognized that you can do it and can do it well. Mm-hmm. But why just beat yourself down with it? Yeah. Yeah. Pick your spots. Use it intermingle it with stuff that makes more sense and in that way if you have a few shorter sections that are really fast and really hard drill you have you can spend more time on those harder sections and they're going to be better as a result yeah so yeah. No, I, I think go ahead i was gonna say that being said you know i'm not a visual designer i don't know yeah, from up top what works and what doesn't work i just know from member perspective sometimes it's cool to have hard drill uh, but sometimes it's just like man uh, this is this is really just beating me down and it's making some of this stuff unnecessarily difficult. Um, but like I said, you know, I don't write visual. I don't teach visual. Um, I can't speak for a lot of that stuff, but well, I can tell you one thing is that over the last like two or three years, blue coats have more and more adopted the BD style of, I guess, show design. Mm-hmm. I think that that's evident in my opinion. Uh-huh. And I think that that is not hindering their competitiveness at all sure. so, yeah and then you know and also on the other side of the spectrum i mean crown this year they running gun the entire time i mean tons of notes really fast tempos and they were great 
you know, so it works for different groups and, and different groups do different things successfully. Um, but at least from the, the BD perspective, they definitely tried to make everything like attainable for us. And then time to time, it, it was kind of cool to throw in a, a difficult move. So you, you bring up, you bring up crown again. And I want to ask this question before we move on. Cause I'm just genuinely curious. You obviously did two summers at crown one at BD. Mm-hmm. Can you give some examples of like things about the approach to drumming conceptually that the staff taught between the two groups? If that question makes sense. Sure. You know, I don't want to totally overthink it, you know, and the easiest answer is just that it's, it's really not that much different. Um, so the biggest way I can compare it is that you're just at crown. We just played with a little more velocity. Just, I mean, you gotta, with that horn line and how loud that that horn line plays, you just have to hit the drum if For you sure. want to be, if you want to be heard. And if you're, I mean, if you're not playing loud enough, the horn line is just going to completely overpower you. So most of what we did at, um, crown was just pretty much exactly the same technique wise, you know, in terms of the motions and, and what muscle groups you're using, all of that is exactly the same. I mean, it's taught by a lot of rhythm X people at crown. All those guys are rhythm X alumni. So in terms of all that stuff, it's nothing crazy or different than, than what I was doing at blue doubles or rhythm X. But at times you just got to hit the drum a little harder. You got to be able to play with some, some oomph. Um, specifically in terms of just playing roles, you got to be able to play loud roles. And you can tell that obviously like some of the, especially in 2018, we had some really, really big fivelet roll, triplet roll passages where it's mm-hmm. just, I just remember being out on, I don't know if you guys called it spaghetti back then, but yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. So we're just out Sean Mack and Dan tracking eight and 25, eight and 50, eight and 75, just triplet rolls at Fortissimo, you know? Um, so being able to play really, really loud was really important at crown, which wasn't quite the case at BD, but in terms of the, the technique and the motions and all that, I mean, it's essentially the same. I mean, there's only so many ways that you can do things, um, technique wise. Yeah. Generally, you know, you want to use small muscles for faster things, bigger muscles first for more open, large things, but in terms of the technique, yeah, it's not not really any different. How much how much time did BD talk about like because the way BD plays and they look to me comes off as very stylized. Was that something that's defined explicitly, or is it kind of like the vets already play like this and it, you just kind of naturally morph to match them, or do they actually take time to break down like, all right, when we play big, we're going to come more straight up instead of out. Yeah, so that, that so there's a there, yeah there's a few specific things so. That's the big one. So in terms of like big double stop hits, that was a that was a weird one for me. I've seen so many you know stopped action shots of, of crown drum line and the snare drums are like, you know, holding up these field goal posts right with the sticks. And at BD, you, you go straight up with the sticks together. Just kind of just little technique differences. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of any other ones that we did. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that is, that's definitely a, a specific one. No, I, I can't really think of any reason why it's just a little bit different. No, it's just what they've done. Stylistic and choice. Kind of B- yeah. BD's got some traditions like that, that they've held yeah. on to even through all these drastic changes. Drum Corps has uh, gone through over the past probably decade. And I, I, I like it a little bit. Like there's a lot of holdover from, if you go watch like Oh six, Oh seven, Oh eight BD to even mm-hmm. this past summer which is really yeah. cool to me that they've held on to some of those things. And they've also evolved in certain ways too, obviously. But 
Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, man, I'm trying to think of other things that we did, like, differently, but I, I can't think of anything in terms of the drumming. I, I can't think of much that we, that we did differently. What I can say about the rehearsal is that the, the easiest, I have a lot of people that, you know, message me on Instagram and say, what's the biggest difference between Crown and BD? Like, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> and the biggest thing that I can say is that anyone who's marched Crown can say that you can say that they spent a lot of time in music rehearsal. There's a lot of time in, in battery block. Obviously, you're, if you're in the color guard, you're not working on music stuff. But um, horn line is always in the in the horn circle, working on stuff. Um, drum line's always in battery block, tracking, doing stuff. Which obviously we do that at BD. But what Crown does with music, BD does with visual. They spend so much time in visual rehearsal. Every single morning block, we'd be in you know visual. I mean, sometimes we'd be playing. Most of the time we'd be playing at the end of the season, but in the in spring training, or we call it all days then, um, I mean, there's times where we would be playing, or not playing, rather, we'd be doing two blocks a day of visual, just learning drill and working on stuff, and we wouldn't even touch our drums. We wouldn't even play a note. Um, I remember my friend Dean told me that. He's like, dude, I haven't played my quads in two days. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> man, it's, it's from being at a group like Crown where we just play all the time. It's very different and very hard to get used to. I mean, Obviously, it probably almost makes you feel nervous, like I should be doing yeah, something right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes the music isn't where it needs to be. And it was, I was super thankful for the the guys that marched next to me, uh, Danny Pendergrass, uh, RCC, Blue Devil Snare Drummer. You just always have to keep telling me, like, dude, it's okay. It's like, we're going to be fine. You got to chill. It's and funny. we were, it was and fine. It, we ended up doing fine. Yeah, like it's so funny to hear. And we've heard other BD alums say the same thing. Like Evan just said, Dean was like, I haven't touched my quads in two days. Because Evan and I would always talk to each other when tour would first start uh-huh. post our marching careers. And we're like, man, BD sounds terrible right now. Like, have you heard their drum line right now? Like at like the second show. And then it's and then we found out like, oh, they just like don't clean music that much during no. spring training. Because they're so worried about putting the right package on the field they know that by the end of the season it's going to be clean you know and and ryan had alluded to that too he's like they basically like put it in your shoes like hey we designed the per- we designed the perfect show and now it's like it's on you guys like we gave you the information you just got to execute it so if you execute it you're going to win well that, <laughs> yeah. that's another thing is you got to be able that's like the mental aspect of it right you got to be able mm-hmm. to be just as successful with way less reps way less reps you got to be able to okay you're doing this you got to execute that rep perfectly right now and you might not get another one for another 10 minutes you know just because of the way that they rehearse obviously long breaks long water breaks um a lot of downtime you got to be able to just pick up your drum and just execute just do it which takes sure. a lot a lot of mental energy and mental fortitude to be able to do stuff like that hey it works the proof is yeah. out there so yeah well, I guess to kind of like shift gears a little bit um, and just get on the bookend of this uh, this episode, mm-hmm. you had talked previously um, some of your reasons and motivations to go into BD was just to learn how to be the best educator. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you have aged out officially of drum corps, for mm-hmm. sure, I for sure, you were listed on <laughs> staff uh, uh, to be in, to be with the scouts for this summer, which obviously mm-hmm. didn't happen. Um, but is that kind of like the next step for you to try to get some experience teaching or apply some this knowledge that you've accrued over these years uh what's kind of what's kind of next for you man yeah i mean obviously i'm a music ed major um i enjoy teaching um i really am starting to enjoy a lot more writing the writing and composition aspect of it so right now i'm teaching at scouts with 
Ryan Ellis, um, and some other Rhythm X guys. Uh, Andre Wilson um, is the battery coordinator, and then some other Ryan. guys that I mar- yep that I marched with um, are some on the tech staff. So I'm I'm enjoying that. We did some kind of online lesson, kind of online assignment stuff over the summer, which was great to keep up um, or keep up with the students in terms of their progress, and and that was really cool. But I mean, yeah, I'm. I think pretty much following the path that any sort of inspiring drum corps WGI music educator um, would follow. Um, I mean, I guess my end end goal is be someone like Ryan Ellis or Andrew Markworth, write a lot of music, uh, teach teach some some big groups. Um, but I'm really happy with the way that we're doing stuff at Scouts and the way that they're um, portraying themselves in terms of like. The social aspect of things, I mean, I thought it was great that they uh, opened up the membership to everybody in terms of all, all gender inclusive. Um, sure. We got, I mean, obviously that's a great thing socially, but it's also, we get a lot more talent. I mean, it's I great. to say that's a huge recruiting it, aspect. It, it, I've always said that. Great to get 50% more of the population into Especially our talent. Especially if you're thinking of like the color guard world, you're really probably sure. getting like 60% more. Sure. I mean, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't know the numbers, but I, I know it's more students. So it's, like I said, great socially, but in terms of the literal aspect of it. I mean, we're getting a lot more people at auditions, which is great. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, imagine being a garden instructor who teaches a world-class uh, independent WGI group where sure. it's, I don't know, maybe 50, 50 male, female, and you can't recruit half of your members to the group you mm-hmm. teach in the summer. Like, it's like, yeah, come on. Yeah. You know, and I think some groups are able to do that. Cavaliers is obviously very successful and they were able to do that and that works for them. And, and, as scouts now we're doing our thing and it's working for us so i was really excited for the summer i was looking forward to everything working with everybody i think the drum line and the the core was going to be great um but unfortunately things just didn't work out um fingers crossed for this season um i think i'm pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure drum core is is going to happen in some aspect i'm not sure what it is maybe in some sort of shortened tour which honestly i think might just be a good thing even if there wasn't a pandemic well i we talked about this a little bit i can't remember if we recorded this or if this was something that we just talked about candidly with uh with dan shack but we were talking about like oh things that dci can do to be successful but like change or adapt mm-hmm. uh shorter seasons were one a way to accommodate that First of all, that impacts a lot of things like the financial aspect of it. You're going to spend way less money. Mm-hmm. Um, your overall budget as a core is going to be way less if you shorten mm-hmm. it. What is that going to mean to achieve the same excellence that you have been? Shorten the shows. I think drum uh, core shows are shows. way too long. Yeah, I mean, what's what's a typical show? 11, 11 and a half minutes oh, probably. I would say longer if you're counting like pre-show. I'd say closer yeah. to 13. Yeah. I love Do a nine-minute show. I love drum core and – I'm, they are so long that no matter how good the core is, and part of this may be just being jaded a little bit from the decade that I've been involved with it or more or watching it, but by like the seventh or eighth minute, I'm like, oh, this isn't over yet. They're still going. And that's not out of not enjoying what I'm watching. It just almost overstays its welcome a little bit yeah. and becomes it's- super redundant when you watch multiple cores right in a row. Yeah, I don't think it is jaded. Like when we watched the top thirteen, like after five cores, I was like, "God, I am done." I had to get yeah. a beer. I had to go, to and, the, and I went and paid eight dollars for a beer because I was like, "If I I'm going to sit being, here for eight more, I need this." 
And I mean, if you're jaded, th- think about this, Mike. If if you're saying like, oh, maybe me, me jaded after ten years, like the people who judged have probably watched thousands oh, of man. shows. Man, yeah, I can't imagine the the people that have to judge for you know like a prelims performance. Dude. I mean, can you imagine being a drum judge for thirty six shows or however many courses. I, you probably just like blank out on the field and be like, Dude. uh, what? I mean, can you imagine getting, even at, okay, we're at the 19th core. Like what, num- what kind of number are you giving it? That's like, I can't imagine trying to come up with a specific number or criteria for that many people. So kudos to those guys who are in the world. Cause that is, that's difficult for sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. I, I remember it when I marched getting to like the last two weeks of the season and just being like, man, I've been doing this for, ever it's like, a grind and it's a real even grind. shortening the season by two weeks i mean say you started in june you know and you just cut two weeks off of the season financially logistically that would just solve so many issues you know i don't know i have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with drum corps and but and my opinion doesn't really matter in terms of what's actually going to happen but i i think it would be good for the activity to maybe rein it in a little bit in terms of the amount of time spent um, I think it would be good. On. This is just a personal opinion, but I think that it would be excellent for the activity to not only rein it in on the time spent, but rein it in on the financial yeah. aspect of it. Like, I think one thing that this pandemic has shown is that drum corps are very, very on the hook for how much money they spend oh, yeah. designing their shows, uniforms, props, yeah. electronics. It's, I mean, when you're spending two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars on electronic system, like, and now it didn't happen. That's rough. A lot. I mean, yeah, I don't <laughs> it's know. A big deal. I don't know how those where those funds are coming from, but I can only imagine what kind of hurt some groups are in. Because, I mean, if I had to guess, I mean, probably some people just put it on a credit card, you know, and expect to just pay it back. I don't, I don't necessarily know how all that stuff works, but I can imagine that. Buying a drum corps show in a way, paying your staff and doing all this stuff is not going to bode well if it just never happens. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think it would be wise for a lot of groups to even just do the show that they were going to do last year. I've heard rumors that some people are going to change things up, and I'm just thinking, why? I mean, why spend the money? Even announce their shows. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what anyone's show was. Like, yeah, I think some indoor groups are going to do updated versions of the shows they were did this past year. Yeah. They'll tweak some things that maybe they couldn't change yeah. because it was too far in the season, and they'll just and I wouldn't fault them for it. No, like I the, think that's totally fine. I mean, yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been going, believe it or not, for about an hour and almost thirteen minutes now. Wow. So look at that. time flies, man. These things go by real quick. It's real easy to yeah. knock out like ninety minutes, and you're like, "What just happened?" So I think we hit everything on the outline. Cameron, Evan, you guys have anything else? Not that I can think of. Not that I can say on this recording. Yeah, fair enough. All right. (laughs) So thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Make sure, again, you hit subscribe on that YouTube channel. Uh, Like the video if you like the content. Subscribe on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, depending on what your platform of choice is. Um, patreon.com slash age out podcast for financial support and even if you're a spotify or apple podcast listener we mentioned at the beginning the new youtube content trying to leverage that a little more grow that platform to give us more exposure and just make more cool content for for all you guys if you're not a youtube listener 
go hit subscribe on YouTube uh, to check out the new stuff we're going to be doing. Uh, make sure you hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever we upload a new clip or reaction video or podcast episode. And we will see everybody next time. Peace.